bless her Lord. All right. Let's join with her giving thanks to the Lord for his protection. Amen. Praise God. All right. Lord bless you. God's good to us. I'll tell you what, those roads have become very dangerous. So much traffic, so much activity on the roads of this day and time. No one ever knows, man, except God. As we call on him and cry out for him, he'll be with us and he'll help us. Amen. To this old world that we're living in, times that we're living. Amen. To see us through. Good to see all of you. Appreciate our Sunday school teachers and classes as they make their way back. God bless them this morning. Amen. Praying God's hand upon them, anointing upon them as they put the word of God into these babies' hearts and minds and spirit. Man, I'm telling you, it's nothing more important than what's fixing to go on in the next hour in those rooms. No other classroom can, can compare to what needs to be taught and what's been given to our babies. That it would be anchored into their hearts and their minds and their spirit. Want to live for God. Want to serve the master. Amen. To do a work for the kingdom of God. In this old world that we're living in today. Praise God. Got a good lesson today. All the lessons are good. Anything that comes out of the word of God is good. Amen. Hallelujah. In fact, our lesson's about one of the I'm fond of John the Baptist as one of the characters, especially in the New Testament. Amen. What a man. What a man that left us such a prime example of following and submitting ourselves and being able to be raised up and instructed, amen, and to, to accomplish what the call of God that was upon his life. Amen. Uh, it, it's a beautiful example. And I know, you know, I, I believe there are special calls and special vessels for special occasions. And, and we all may want to be like one of them to that degree. And that, but that, that call of that, you know, that purpose is, is not needed again. Not in that realm. And so it's kind of like this with John the Baptist. There's going to only be one forerunner. Jesus Christ and there's not a need of another forerunner but yet there is a need of one to follow his footsteps amen and his example of pointing them to the lamb amen to persuade people of who's the one that's important who's the one that's going to count and, and what my whole life was about What the call of God was upon my life was about. And, and uh, our lesson brings it out. We're going to talk about it to a certain degree today. Because uh, I, I believe we're living in a world today that is becoming consumed of itself. Selfies. Full of selfies. Just... It's a spirit that's driving us. If you don't believe that, start watching your little babies, how often they start taking selfies. Just give them a phone and let them, let them have their way. Turn the camera on. 
Praise God. So, but to be a servant of God, it, it can't be about us. Can't be. And to, to be able to fulfill that call. To be able to find that place in the kingdom or in the body of Christ. To be fitly joined together. I believe John the Baptist gives us one of the greatest examples of accomplishing that and achieving that. Of knowing that he had he'd accomplished what he had been born to do. And what he had been called to fulfill as a child of God. So the mighty God in Christ. Mighty God in Christ. I will say this. John the Baptist didn't fail in fulfilling his part of pointing him out. It was the Israelites fault. It was the Jews. It was the non-believers it was those that wanted to hold on to their positions and places and authorities and powers. <laughs> that didn't want to hear it. Of course, some of that was to fulfill scripture also. Okay, So we have to be careful with some of that. Because it's in that rejection that you and I are able to be here this morning. Be a part of this. To be brought in as a wild olive branch and put upon the trunk Jesus Christ of this Jehovah God that we can produce the fruits of this God that the writer said at one point in time that we didn't have hope we didn't have promises we didn't have we wouldn't introduce to the covenant and Paul's writings makes that plain in Romans amen but now through Jesus Christ that that veil was rent from top to bottom but even during his time of ministry he had done his best to tear those petitions and walls down, such as making that visitation to Samaria, visiting that woman at the well, trying to get them to understand what he had come to do as the Messiah, to save the world, to save all of humanity. That's, that's, that's got to be the goal of this church. It's got to become the heartbeat of this church. It's got to be become a part of the driving uh, passion and affections of this church to run that 300 to acquire that and attain that you and I you, we can't disqualify nobody regardless of who they are where they come from how far they drive or how short the trip may be some may can walk here others may have to drive an hour some may be rich and famous and some may not nobody know them only God knew who they were and where they was at and pulled them out of that miry clay. Pulled them from those positions and places and where they was at. But that's what this is all about. That's what this forerunner was all about. Uh, something that Israel and the Jews would been, had been promised for 4,000 years of a seed that was going to come, a son that was going to come. That the, all the young maids was looking. Amen. To be the one to birth that son. And it's one of the reasons it was so important in the Old Testament. For a, a mother to have a son. 
man, not only that, but to carry on the name of that family. And also, it was known, amen, to be a part to help when they got up in age to help, amen, to help them in those times. And so there was a lot would hinge upon a son being born. And so as we, we look at this and go through it, and I'm going to try to use a lesson some here today, some things that the writers brought out to us. As if you read the lesson today, and, uh, and I don't use all of it. I'm, I'm not a big fan to some little portions of some of it. And I'm just going to tell you that. Amen. I'm going to use somebody else in the place of who he used. And uh, I'll just tell you, I'm not a big fan of using athletical heroes and, and all. Not when, you got, not when we got some apostolics that we can give the credit to. Okay, and, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's just maybe it's just me, but anyway. The mighty God in Christ, a focus verse is going to be found in John, the third chapter, 36. We're in the same chapter we was last week. Nicodemus, and after this, and after a few days that passed, Jesus... Amen. And this unfolds about John the Baptist. It's some powerful scriptures and insight about John the Baptist. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. If you go back and look at that word Son, it's capitalized. But never in the Bible will you see where God the Son always the son of God or the son of man. Amen. It's here. It's always capitalized as the son of God. That seed that was going to come. That Messiah that was going to come. And except you believe on him. Amen. The wrath of God abides on any and everybody that does not believe. It's there. You're born with it. And there's only one way to get that wrath off of us. Is to believe on this son. And believe on him as the scriptures have taught us. Huh. And they can talk about Jesus only if they want to. But I'm telling you, Jesus is the only way to make heaven. It's the only door. It's the only name given among us. You can't find any other way. And as, as products of Jesus, as, as we've experienced this, this encounter... Experience this Pentecost. That's what makes you and I. What makes us witnesses. It's a measure of that resurrecting power. That we have received. That flows in our lives. And through our lives. God doesn't want us just to be a temple of the Holy Ghost. He wants us to be a conduit. He doesn't want us just to be a sponge. He wants that power and that love and word and, and, and to flow through us. That way we can love the unlovable. We can have compassion and grace and mercy upon all. Don't matter who they are, where they come from. Both with the Holy Ghost and without it. Okay. Our, our truth about God, God is fully revealed in Jesus Christ, he's walked upon this earth and it's his ministry and uh, fully the authority, the power, uh, the demonstration that he demonstrated to us. I will respond to my place in the kingdom building with humility. 
I'll respond. I'll, I'll respond. I'll, 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 by responding means to act, to take that place, to take on that responsibility, that call, and fulfill that call. To accomplish that. And once it's accomplished, then you and I got to be willing to fade out. You and I've got to be willing, amen, to let what it's, once it's achieved, accomplish what it has. That we're willing to let, let others, if they're stepping into a role or a place, to have that place, to take that role. We got to get to the place that ain't about me now. It doesn't matter how much giving I've done, how long I've been at the church. How many buildings I've built. How many millions of dollars I've given. I believe I'm above everybody right now. I'm on a, hallelujah. Everybody feels pretty comfortable with this. Pretty, and we should. Amen. I realize that one of the money ways, amen, that people, especially in the, uh, the nominal world, they would, if they wanted new pews in the church, they would have people to donate them. And then they'd get them little special tags to put on the end of those pews. And sometimes they'd have their own name or a loved one and honor someone. And I'm not totally against that, but, but in the way I am. Because all of a sudden they want to start claiming that pew. And once you start claiming pews and these places of rights and positions, it don't stop at the pew. It don't stop in the chair. It would weave its way up into the pulpit and into the, on the, the rostrum and into Sunday school rooms. And, but yet for the kingdom of God and to be successful with the kingdom of God, it can never be about us. It's got to be about God and his season and his time to unveil. And then that season to produce the fruit and to walk in the beauties and the powers and the authority of it. It's all about letting him unfold the rose. I'm telling you, we're on target there a lot more than what some really realize today. God's in the business unfolding the rose. And if, when God does it, I'm telling you, everybody around knows that's a God thing. You don't have to be confused about it. You don't have to second question it. That's like certain miracles in the Word of God. Amen. It's a, the Bible calls them notable miracles. They could not deny, amen, the healing, amen, of the lame man that was put at the gate beautiful. Amen. They could not deny that, even though they wanted to stop teaching and preaching and the authority and the powers that was invested in the name of Jesus. But they could not deny the notable miracle because he stood before them whole and complete. And because of the fear of the people, what had unfolded and took place. And so we see this even with John the Baptist. And watch this. As far as we know by Scripture, John never performed the first miracle. John never pastored a church. John never had an evangelistic ministry. As far as I can tell by scripture, John never owned one acre of land. As far as I can tell, he never got married. He never enjoyed any of these avenues and directions in life. But what's one of the greatest benefits that all of us really enjoy? When you go buy a truck and you pay $100,000, would you love to get a warranty that it no breakdowns and no problems for 15 years? Wouldn't you love to go buy the next washing machine and say, yet this washing is going to last you for the rest of your life? 
And so when it comes to ministry, coming to the work of God, how many wants to be in the ministry for about three to six months? How many wants to live for 30 years in a desert, eating honey, clothed in leather girdles, camel's hair, and nobody knows you, nobody's ever heard of you. Outside a man of the eighth day of coming, being circumcised, and his name being named John. And then his ministry only lasts from three to six months. And then they, they allowed a man, a lady, that he preached against that was living an ungodly lifestyle. And allowed her daughter, a man, to perform a dance before a king. And allowed a man, her mother, to instruct her and have him beheaded. How many of us would like to pay that kind of price and then only have three to six months of ministry and then being beheaded, amen, by one of the ones that you had preached to, trying to keep them out of hell and against an immoral generation that had got a hold of them? I'm talking about John the Baptist. Man, when he makes the statement, I must decrease and he must increase, there's a whole lot more to that. God gave me a little message this morning for a week from tonight if the Lord tarries and allows me. And boy, it's, 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 it got a hold of me. Huh. I'm not going to tell you what it is. It might mess it up. But we're living in a world today that's uh, so... It, it's, we've almost caused this world to be about us and about our feelings. Our feelings. I'm not totally doing away with feelings. I like good feelings, don't you? I love to feel good things, you know, and things of this nature. But, but, but we don't live for God by feelings, do we? Anybody ever got your feelings hurt? Anybody? Has God ever hurt your feelings? Y'all scared to answer that? Sure. God ever chastise you? Some of you won't move for love of money. I'm going to tell you something. If, if you've never been chastised, that means God doesn't love you. And that means you are. Now that's in the book. I'm not, I'm not trying to be. I'm just simply telling you that's, that's, that's the way. You know. Can I say this? For the most part of living for God, it's totally the opposite of our own nature. So we constantly got to battle with our own nature and desires and passions and what we want to do and what we'd like to do. Because our old nature is no good. That's the reason we have to die daily. That's why we have to keep it under subjection, under submission, to keep the focus right, keep the right spirit, and keep the right attitude about living for God, regardless of what others may think. And that could be even, can I just say this without, I'm not throwing mud at nobody, I really I'm not. That we gotta, we got to live for God because we're living for God. I'm doing this for the head's sake. Yes, it will benefit the body. Yes, it ought to benefit the body. Yes, I should have them in mind. But I'm not doing it for the body's sake. I'm doing it for the head's sake. Because if I don't do what the head wants me to do, then how can I please the body or edify the body or bless the body? And if that means that I've got to step down from a role in a place that I've held for a certain amount of time to for, for a purpose to be fulfilled, then so be it. i got to have the right spirit and the right attitude about that. God's will is being fulfilled. 
God's calling, God's election, the course that he's called me on has been accomplished, has been achieved. And so now I need to fade out. And I need to fade out with the graces of God. I got to fade out with the right attitude. I got to fade out, amen, knowing that hey, God done this. I'm not going to start a fight. I'm not going to try to beckon to get more to start following me just because a guy right down the road, amen, is baptizing more than I'm baptizing. Just because a guy down the road, everybody's talking about Jesus now. I'm not talking about John. It's, it's in there. It's in this lesson. I'm not adding nothing. It, it's here. But this is where revival will really take place. This is where the place at Amen. That when God draws them. And God's working on me about that spirit. Spirit that draws. Man we need the drawing powers of God like never before. We got enough of the devil. Enough of the world. Enough of people. Enough out there. Amen. Even called so called Christians is pulling for the devil. And they don't even know it. To fold the child of hell. Doing it in the name of religion. Doing it in the name of Jesus. Doing it under the umbrella of Christianity. But making them to twofold child of hell. Amen. With a doctrine such as Trinity. And the doctrines. Amen. That you don't have to have the Holy Ghost. And you don't have to speak in tongues. And doctrines. You don't have to be baptized. And doctrines. That you don't have to go to church. And doctrines. You don't have to have a pastor. And you don't have to have a fivefold ministry. Hallelujah. If you don't have to have none of that. Then you don't have to have a God. You don't have to. You don't have to have nothing. Amen. If that be it is. We all just live in imagination. This is a fantasy of our mind. We don't exist. Nothing don't exist. Hell don't exist. The devil don't. Nothing don't exist. Hey. You can talk about pain. Well, you ain't hurting. That's just imagination. That's just a figment of your imagination. You don't love nobody. That's just a figment of your mind. You see how far we're getting out there? I'm telling you, folks, I'm, I'm bucking some spirits. I'm telling you. Amen. It's attacking this nation, attacking this world, and these rural areas is not exempt from it any longer. Through the access of, of disloyalty, through the access, amen, of, of, of lawlessness, amen, through drugs and other means and ways. I'll tell you, the spiritual realm, the spirit of iniquity has gotten us all by the throat of the neck. So we got to shake ourselves and we got to get stirred up in us and saying, hey, hey, God, you, you've called me. You placed me here. I, not just to sit on a chair, not just to be a part of, amen, not, but, but find my place and whatever it might be. And regardless of how long that calling might be, I'm going to give my best to it. So uh, as, as, as we start working through the scriptures here this morning and, and watch this unfold and take place. Uh, if you go back and read the lesson connection, he talks about it. It's just actually a fiction writer here talks about Alexander the Great and a philosopher, a man and talked about how great, the, and one of the guys you know, tell me, well, what have you conquered, a man such as what, you know, Alexander the Great has accomplished, and a man, and he, he said a very important statement, he responded to him, a man, a man, what, what did he say, I have conquered the need to conquer the world, I have conquered the need to conquer the world, I got to save everybody in the community to be in the will of God Well, praise God. I ain't always got to have a, I don't have to have a mic in my hand to be in the will of God. I don't have to be elevated on a platform or in a position to keep me busy in the kingdom of God. I'm almost, I'm going to walk in some places now. Hmm. Praise God. I, to, to, to want to be who, what God. I promise you, there was nobody volunteering to take John the Baptist's place. He didn't have to worry about anybody rushing in, getting a hold of him and telling him. Let me ask you something else. Have you heard anybody say anything about, you know, man, they took him in his midlife, the, the very mid of his life? Who was they referring to, though? 
Jesus. I've never heard anybody say about John the Baptist that he took him right at the prime of life. We say that about Jesus at 33. At least Jesus had three and a half years. I'm, I'm, I can tell him. I'm not, but I'm just. Come on, now, John's the one pointing at the Lamb. John's the one that said, hey, I have need to be baptized of you. He wasn't a special guide that would exempt him from the pain and the heartaches and the struggles and the battles either. Okay, I'm going to show that. Scripture goes on here with him. Talks about him. Man, when he found himself at certain times and seasons in this short period of time. And, 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 and they, 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 they don't nail it all the way down. In fact, if my memory serves me right... Brother, Brother Brennan, make it help me out. Bishop Odom talked about this, this, his time, his ministry. Did he say 30 days in one place? Seemed like he said one time, he said, it could have been as short as 30 days. Most believe three to six months. Now you think about that. So that means, now I don't know exactly because uh, it's according to how the birthday fell. <laughs> but we know that that... That John the Baptist could only be either 30 or at the most 31. And that's only by possibly a few weeks or a month or two at the most. Because John the Baptist was only six months older than Jesus Christ himself. But remember now, there was a special call, a special election that was given upon John the Baptist. If you go back to the very beginning, he was prophesied about Isaiah the 40th chapter. It prophesies and talks, gets great comfort. When you go to those first three verses out of Isaiah, the 40th chapter, you're going to read there where it talks about a voice that comes out of the wilderness. Amen. The wilderness, amen, is not only just a place, it's not full of habitation with humanity. But that wilderness and that term of wilderness also means the wilderness of morals. Godly living, wholesome, and, 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 and the spiritual deadness. You got to remember John the Baptist comes on the scene after 400 years. Amen. Of God not speaking or moving upon the Jews. Amen. For 400 years now. But yet, thank God, he had a mom and a dad. Amen. Zacharias and Elizabeth. Amen. That kept themselves unspotted. They kept practicing the law and what they understood as a priesthood upon from both sides of only his couple, his family. And yet they was barren. But the Bible said they was blameless. They was righteous before God. It's a time that Zechariah went into that temple to offer up the people. Always, it was still, they hadn't lost that hope. They were still, like you and I sometimes, the hope that we got. Amen. To do better, to accomplish things, to go to heaven. I mean, come on. This is what this is all about. Man, if we didn't have no hope, we might as well all just stayed home this morning. But we got hope in this. And one day, if we hold on to this hope, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to experience it. We're going to see it. Now, once we see and experience it, you got to hope for it. But until then, you got to hope for it. A better day. 
amen, that are unfolding. And sometimes that's a drive, driving factor in more than one way. But uh, the most important one is eternal life itself. But when you go back to, to here, you're going to see after 400 years of, of not God, not speaking, dark ages is what they called them. Amen. But here now, it's like glass. If he goes in to there and the people's expecting. And in there, an angel gives him a visitation. Hallelujah. And because of his response, amen, he is silenced. He comes out and he can't talk. He lingers a little longer than he should have. And they realize that. And they, they realize what took place and what unfolded. And so there, he, he's promising to him. And, and that angel speaks to him how that this son, how this son is going to be a blessing. How he's going to be a joy. And how he's going to be a help to everybody. But I promise you, feed at the same time. But he's not going to have the ministry about six months, though. Come on, we focus on that a lot more than what we think we do. Amen. The, the lasting of it. Amen. The, the benefits of it. We don't mind paying a high price if there's a, not enough benefits with it. Amen. We don't mind making sacrifices as long as there's some benefits and some rewards that comes along with those sacrifices. Amen. And they are. But, but sometimes, if we're not careful, because we're being so geared now and, 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 and positioned by, by everything that you see and everything you hear and everything you observe around you. It's all about earth and earthly things and the benefits of what we can have here. Some people choose those careers. They can't stand. They, they literally hate them. But because they had certain blessings and certain promises, they gave themselves to it, disciplined themselves unto it. Amen. Just, just attained them. And they have lived a miserable life. Brother Nathan says the shipyard's one of them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Amen. Well, I remember a time men didn't mind going down there. It's got, it's got, you know. But you're finding that out of some of these other places too. And it's, you watch some of these spirits get strongholds. Can I say something about that? The Bible says we war against what? Spiritual wickedness and what? In high places. You know what our biggest mistake is? We just put them high places off somewhere else, like the White House and other places. What about where the place you work? And now we haven't covered them with prayer and, 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 and things of this nature and, and have God's hand in that to make sure we try to keep God-fearing people. You know what? They don't even have to be Christians, but if they're God-fearing people. That's the reason this nation was found built upon such great principles and the Constitution. They weren't necessarily what you and I might call Christians as far as the plan of salvation. I don't know that. I'm just saying, amen. But you know what? They was God-fearing people. And when you got God-fearing people, amen, that's overseeing you, amen, because of the fear of God, that's gonna help, they're going to do what? right and what's best for you and for your family but when they don't have no fear of God and then they fear a man the spirits that's rising up against them that's blinding them and they fear the accusations and the pub getting it political correct a man is doing what's right for the family they'll start letting homosexuals and lesbians I'm just going to tell you like it is they'll start putting up flags and they'll start promoting them and they'll put them ahead of everything else not realizing amen that's the very thing that's going to pull their company down that's the very thing that's going to destroy them it doesn't matter who you put in positions how smart they are and how educated they are you, you and I you can't be a great nation on our own. We weren't smart enough and we're not big enough. And we hadn't got big enough and smart enough now. It's still the faith and the blessings of God. That's what's going to bring Israel out. It wasn't that Israel and the Jews are so much smarter than everybody. It's God's chosen people. It's God's favor upon. That's what makes all the difference in the world. It's not that my baby's is smarter than anybody else's baby. It's just the goodness, the favor, and the gifts of God that comes from heaven. Because it all comes from heaven. You and I have got to make up in our minds that we're not going to use it for darkness and we're not going to use it for the devil and we're not going to use it for ourselves. Not gonna be selfies. Not gonna lay up and store up for ourselves. 
Jesus Christ follows that up by coming, amen. Worship, where's our treasures ought to be? And where our treasures at is where our heart's at. So when I lay up more for myself than I'm willing to try to lay up for the kingdom of God, I got some problems. I'll, go, I'll leave that one. I'll go on. <laughs> amen. So we know these prophesied. Isaiah 1 and through 5 talks about it. Malachi 3 and 1 says, Behold, send my messenger. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord, whom ye seek, shall suddenly come into his temple. And the messenger of the uh, covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And so John the Baptist was prophesied hundreds of centuries prior to his ever coming on the scene and being a part of this. And now when you go and you're going to see where, where, watch this. John the Baptist was, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Got to understand that term. Not like you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost. But there is an empowerment. Just like in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God. Let me ask you something. Samson was able to do them things because he worked out six days a week. You know, he took these energy drinks and popped these pills and took these shots and What's the Bible say that reason Samson was able to pick up the gates and destroy all of them with the, with the jawbone of, of, of ass and all that? What, what, what moved upon him? The Spirit of God. That's the same way in the Old Testament. It never moved in any of them. It moved upon them. And those great leaders, amen, out of deserts and out of winters, they would respond to the Spirit of God. They respond to the voice of God. It may be coming out of a burning bush or these means and methods, amen. But as they was moved upon, they recognized it. They realized it. And they didn't give credit to the foreign gods or make-believe gods. They understood there was a Jehovah God. One God. They were always of the Lord our God is one. That was never a question in their hearts or in their minds or their spirits. That had been ingrained in them. That had been put in to them. Hallelujah. And so they knew hey God's done that. We can't see him but we can feel him and we can know his voice. We can know his purpose. Amen. But it's a different New Testament. He comes to take up a bold and a, a measure of his spirit. That'll go with us and lead us and guide us and direct us in this life to, to mold us and, and, and fit us into this kingdom as time is needed. As situations come. We're led by the Holy Ghost. And so here we know that John, John, amen, is he, he was moved upon and the angels came. And you go to Luke 1 and 13 and 17. I had mentioned about the visitation there and the call upon his life and what the angel had said about him, spoken unto Zacharias and, and told him, you know, said, hey, you're not going to be able to speak. And so he comes out of there and he's not able to talk to him. He's not able to do anything. And, but time after the time, amen, of, of going back in the wilderness and the birthing of John and bring him, amen, it's time to name him. And so when you go there, you're going to see where all the kin folks and everybody, man, they were to name him after Zachariah, man. We want to name him after him. Hallelujah. And everybody's so excited about it. And so when they actually live with him, says, no, his name, his name not going to be John. Uh, his name not going to be Zachariah. It's going to be John. Huh. They all say, well, you ain't got no idea your family name, John. That's right, because this is not our baby. He was God-given. We was barren. Huh. This, is, this is the miraculous hand of God working. And so, you know what? They didn't take her word for it. And so they go to Zachariah and ask him about it. And so at that point in time, he still can't speak, so he asked for a pad. Now watch this. When you start talking about testifying and witnessing, you can do it two ways. You can do it, do it verbally or you can write it down. 
And God don't have no problem of writing it down. Neither does he have the, uh, uh, the problem even to speak it into our spirits and speak it into our lives. I'm, let me, I'm going to go a step further. And if I, anybody's under the anointing of God and the power of God and speaking what God says, amen, you better take that just like if it was written word of God. Because God's going to hold us accountable because God knows. <laughs> Man, he's, he's an awesome God and he's always working for us. He's not against us. God's for us. If we're for God, I promise you God's for you. Now, if you're against God and you're against his ways and you don't love his commandments and you don't love his statues and you don't love them, you know what? God's going to work against you. You're going to have offenses and stumbles and you're going to have some heartaches and disappointments and things in life. Some things are going to happen. And a lot of that God causes, amen, just trying to get us back in, in line. Amen. I don't wake up in the morning, amen, amen, and wake up and go through the house beating up everybody that's in the house just because, well, I'm just going to start your day out right today. Man, I got me a bull whip. First thing I do, I get up, man, I whip everybody in the bed with me. I go up the stairs and whip everybody. Hallelujah. Praise God. I whipped all the devils today. Praise God. <laughs> oh, how long that last? I mean, I didn't get upstairs. <laughs> Praise God, no doubt. Uh, but, 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 you know, so, but, but you, you correct because you love, because of your intent, your passion, your desire, amen, to, to see them to be who and what you, that, that, that God wants them to be and what you as parents wants them to be. Now, I think we need to be careful that we're not God. And we don't need that like God's over me either. Hey, quit jumping on that baby so much. Quit screaming at him. Yeah, you made some boo-boos when you were teenagers. And I know you don't want yours to make them. But I'll tell you what. If you battle against it in the wrong way, in the wrong, the wrong verbal terms, you're going to do more harm than good. Because it's about you and not them or God. It's about you and your reputation. It's about you and your parenthood. And that's not what raising kids is about. Every parent there ever been has got problems and situations. There's not been ever been a perfect child. Neither has there ever been a perfect parent. I want something here. You may not be liking it. But you better open up your heart and your mind and spirit and receive it. Hallelujah. You're going to destroy your own babies. You're going to destroy the very thing you're trying to mold. You're going to destroy the very thing that God blessed you with. And ain't God that doing it. Ain't your pastor done it. Ain't the church done it. It's you doing it. Hey, I'm in the Holy Ghost right there. Somebody better wake up and pay attention. Praise God. God help us. We want to raise them up in what? In His nurture and admonition. Not ours. Not our ideals. Not our opinions. Not our doctrine. But in God's doctrine. God. Amen. What's God's business? Amen. There's this ideal that this world's got that we want a bunch of, bunch of kids and boys and girls to be great athletic folks, amen, and make all the billions of dollars. They headed down a dead end road. They worship in their own gods. They give themselves over to their own things. If anything's more, nothing's more important bringing the house of God, raising up in the admonition and the nurture of God, the truth of God, the power thereof. So here we are. Praise God. As we, we, we watch some of this unfold and really begin to take place and the things that are, are mentioned about him. Uh, uh, and I mentioned, you go to Matthew, I, I, we won't do it, but Matthew the 14th chapter talks about the, 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 the life and the, the life that was taken from him. We, we're going to go from that. So let's look at the great defection is how the writer puts it here. He said, it has been said, and that simply means a desertion. Those that were forsaken him, leaving him, leaving John the Baptist. That's, that's what that means. Okay. Nobody lied. Nobody. He says that. He says, it has been said that the ministry is measured by three metrics. Bodies, bucks, and buildings. The three B's. 
Don't tell me we don't. We do. In the business world. And all around us. But even at the church. It's by the buildings that's been built. It's the bodies that's part of that. The bucks that comes in to accomplish things and achieve things. Praise God. I'm not against them. We want to build buildings. We want to have the finances to do it. God don't give us a special pass that we don't have to sacrifice and we don't have to give. And I believe he can take little and make much out of it. I believe he can move on hearts and lives and souls outside of your own body of belief. Move upon them to help give and help because they see the good of it. They may not be a true disciple of Jesus, but they see the blessings of God and doing it. And so they participate and join up in it and give to it. As God moves upon their heart, as God moves upon their lives, and there'll be some benefits for them. It may just be in this life. You can't, they can't claim salvation like that. They can't claim salvation, you know. But they can have the benefits and the blessings of God upon their lives through this obedience. Because the Bible said God's going to owe no man in this life or in that and to come. We ain't going to be able to, you know, look at God and say, you failed me. Israel tried to do that time and time again, but it always come back on them. Always. So, anyway. Whether those are the best tears or not, no pastor gets excited about seeing people leave the church. Most ministries leaders spend a great deal of time and effort trying to close the back door to keep people engaged in the local church and showing up every Sunday. Amen. Praise God. Y'all want me to move on from that one? <laughs> Praise God. I promise you. And I know I was kind of raised in the old school. You didn't miss church. We didn't miss church as a Methodist. As boresome as it was. As dead. And maybe I shouldn't say this. Y'all clip that out maybe. I don't know. I'm just telling the truth. But we still there. We's on time and before time. We're letting the first ones out the door. Leaving. I'm just touching some bases here. That shows our affections, our passions, our desires. Our association here. I want to be guilty about association of being in prayer rooms. I want to be guilty of association, amen, of just being at the house of God every time it opened, the doors open. If it was possible. Come on, there's time. Come on, let's use some common sense here. But you know what? Common sense is just about going down the drain. And we're not careful there to get a hold of us sometimes. You know, can I help us out? Can I talk to you just a little bit? I want to act like a coach a few minutes here. I'd always try to plan and, and arrange everything in my life. Man, if Wednesday night was a midweek service, I'd try to plan and arrange everything I possibly could to make sure I could be there on Wednesday night. Now, there's some uh-ohs that come sometimes. It's out of your power. But if it was within my grasp, within my power, then I, I'm going to church. If it cost me $100, so what? I thought it was well worth it. Oh, my God. I just felt something. I just felt something right there. I just felt something. Did you know that's an offering to God that you didn't literally give it, but you did? 
Oh, but I was going to make $300 in overtime. But if you make that sacrifice, those $300 just clicked up in heaven. Amen. As an offering to God that you gave to God because you were willing, amen, not to make the $300. Because you went, well, well, Hallelujah. You know what? You weren't going to give the 300 anyway. You was going to give 10% and 5% maybe. Hallelujah. So now we back down, amen, to $45. But amen, when you make the sacrifice, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have to God. God just gave you a record of $300. And when God pays you back 104 for $300, come on, baby. Baby, do the math. Woo! Some of you sitting down home and don't like it. The Holy Ghost and tell the truth. Praise God. Praise God. You got to get your priorities right. You know why John the Baptist can fulfill this? He kept his priorities right. Even at 30 years of age, he kept his priorities right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Y'all blame that on the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I ain't smart enough, <laughs> but the Holy Ghost is. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost knows what it's doing. Amen. David got it right. I've never seen the righteous forsaken receive begging bread. It's not God's will that we have an amen to every week. Now, if we're doing that to just fulfill our wants and whatever. Okay, I'm going to move on. I'm sorry. We're on John the Baptist here. And so, when you go to John 3 and 26, he says about the ministry parent that felt the same. He said that John's disciples brought him bad news. People were leaving and joining the church across town. <laughs> Praise God. Well, you know, my, my, my theory is about that. If you can't make it from heaven to here and you can drive, if you got to drive two hours somewhere and you can make it to heaven, make the drive. Heaven and hell is too important and eternity is too long. So if you can't make it from here, for whatever reason, and you don't even have to give me the reasons. I'm just a man. Now, God's the one you'll have to answer to. And God's the one that knows. And I'm not out to sling mud and, and cast stones. I'm not interested in all that. My heart beating desires everybody to make it. We're all one church anyway. It don't matter how far west you go, how far east you go, how far north and south you go. It's one body all across the board. I know we got doctrines in here now where there's cultures and, and things of this nature and certain churches and certain ways of doing things, but there's still one God. And when it comes to the foundations, there's only one foundation. If you don't get the foundation right, nothing else to build on it don't mean anything anyway. I don't care if you're singing old songs or new songs. If you didn't get the foundation right, it don't matter what you look like. It don't matter what you dress like. It don't matter how much time you give, how much offer you go. If you're there every day, you got to get the foundation right. And we got to get back to the right foundation. You got to get the foundation right. We got a generation that's got to get the foundation right. It's got to start in our babies. It's got to start in our youth. You got to get the foundation right. You got to get the Holy Ghost. You are not, I want to go a step further. You ought to want the Holy Ghost. There's a difference in amen and getting something because you got to have it. Can I say this? <laughs> Those babies, you know, you know, they get them little colds and all that, and you get that cough medicine and all that stuff, and then they don't want to take it. It tastes as bad. It's horrible. Amen. You put it in your mouth. I had took nothing a long time, a few weeks ago, a few months ago. Had a little deal that come up. My wife said, here, you need to take some of this. And, man, I put that stuff in my mouth. I thought, because all that time, you know, Annalyn and Rosalie would tell them, come on, they don't taste that bad. Come on. Hey, I changed my mind. I don't tell them that no more. I said, God have mercy on them. It does taste bad. Y'all need to water it down. Do something with it. Man, that stuff there, I almost, I'll just be honest, I almost threw it up. Ah! 
I didn't take no more. I said, God, help me. God, take care of it. Hallelujah, because it's bad. Hallelujah, but sometimes you got to take your medicine. Even when it's bad, you got to take it. If you're going to get better, you got to take it. And hallelujah, that's the same way living for God. I got to take the medicine. If I'm going to get out of this, if I'm going to get out of this, if I'm going to get out of this valley, amen, if I'm going to win this thing, baby, I got to take the medicine. There's no greater medicine, amen, in the Word of God, and the Holy Ghost, the power of God, moving upon our lives, moving upon our soul, and preserving and keeping us at all times, even in our infirmities, even in our weaknesses. Hallelujah. God to show up and God to give us the grace and ability, amen, to endure it and be an example of His, a light of His. That's my little darling, showing the way to everybody else. I didn't deliver it from Him, I didn't move the mountain, I just give Him the grace and the skill and the ability, amen, to represent me and walking through it and overcoming it. There's a far difference between the two. We're living in a generation, they got to have something to get them up and they got to have something to lay them down. Well, you know what I do too. Hallelujah. It's called the Holy Ghost. It's called the prayer. It's called the Word of God. He gets me up in the morning and He leads me through the day. And He lays my head down in the pillar at night. He gives me rest when I need it. He gives me food when I'm hungry. He waters me when I'm thirsty. He's never failed me. He's never come up short. He's given me more than I deserve. He's gone wrong. He's going to break me through. There's not a devil or devils. There's not a heartache or disappointment. There's nothing in the past or present or the future that can rob or take us out we just let God be God in our lives in the measure that he sees fit not what we think God's it for me this morning quit worried about them sitting over around about you they ain't the ones you got to please they're not the ones that's going to judge you they're not the ones that gave you the gifts and talents and abilities and opportunities God did though amen so you just get your eyes on him. Amen. On his call and on his election. That's what John the Baptist had to do. He couldn't, he couldn't pay attention to everybody else. He could pay attention. Amen. You know, there's a lot of us talks about it like a wild man. Amen. Have you ever seen any characters that play John the Baptist? They got a big old eye. Sometimes big old bushy beard hanging out. Old hair. I don't know where they got that. I ain't saying he didn't look like that. Maybe he did. He come out of the wilderness. Amen. And he didn't fit, he didn't fit everybody else's ideas and opinions as being a priest. But I tell you what happened. Amen. They, he didn't come to their temple. He didn't come. Amen. They went out to him. They went out to Judea. In fact, the Bible says all Judea went out. Amen. It didn't matter if it was military men. It didn't matter if it was tax collectors. They was all humbling themselves. They was all asking him, Hello, John, what have I got to do? How do I need to handle my job? Hello, you don't take more than what you ought to tax. Amen. Don't put more punishment, amen, or pressure as a is a military man, hello, a policeman, amen. Don't rough them up, don't mishandle them. Be satisfied with your wages. And we just went right on down the list. Hallelujah. But they was ready to hear a voice. They was ready to hear some instructions. I'll tell you what, the, the stage of this world and the spiritual condition of this world, they ought to set in the stage, amen. I need to hear a voice. I need to hear somebody to help me. I gotta find somebody I can find some liberty in. I gotta find somebody, amen, that can lift my burdens or change my life and let me do things right. Just got to get an old-fashioned hunger and thirst for God and for the things of God. John's response, amen. John the Baptist was a little bit jealous or upset. <laughs> Folks, come on. 
we, we, we get upset and our feelings hurt over some stuff. You know. Okay, I'll move on. Praise God. But, but John, no jealousy, no envy, no strife. John 3 and 27. Amen. Amen. He says, hey, if I can find it now. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah, man, I done passed quite a few. Can I back up just a few verses? Maybe y'all ought not put that clock up there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to try to rush here. John 3, let's, let's start. Let me, let me start the 25th verse. There arose a question between some of John's disciples and, and the Jews about purif- purifying. I wanted to sketch that, that right there. What was John and then what was going on here? What was, what's the topic? What's the subject? What's, what's transpiring here in these settings of scriptures? What is John doing and Jesus doing? Baptizing. So now even from the Jews, the question is about purifying. Where do they connect baptizing into purifying? We got generations coming up saying, you ain't, got, you ain't got to worry about being baptized. Well, I think, you know what? The Jews right there, amen, is trying to do away with you. Talking about being purified. How is that taking place? John was in water, amen, and Joe was Jesus. So there's water involved. If you've got to get purified, you better get some water involved. If you've got to get washed, you better get some water involved. And you better believe it when you go in that lovely name. When you come up out of there, say, amen, your sins are washed away. But until you do that, you are a non-believer. And if you're a non-believer, it don't matter if you baptize baptize you every day you just go down to the dry center and come up to the wet one but anyway let me move on for that one and they came unto John and said unto him rabbi master teacher praise God now remember now all this is happening in about three to six months man I think about that I've been here 28 years he done more he done more just out of truth. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Rabbi, anything beyond Jordan? And to whom thy bearest witness. Behold, now, oh, watch him. Hey, you bear witness of this guy. You're the one that pointed him out. You're the one that lifted him up. You're the one telling everybody about him. I'd be like, about like a pastor, you know, had a, a young man that maybe come up in his church and moved down the road somewhere with his permission and the favor of God upon him. And that church began to double and triple. <laughs> that pastor and someone come to him, hey, all I can say, I've done a good job training. <laughs> all I can say, man, that was a favor and blessings of God. I mean, come on, this, 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 it ought not be. Every church. I'm praying for every church around here. I pray for all the churches around us. You know, I think there's a double-fold blessing in that. <laughs> you know what? If they start having revival and breaking out in every church around us, and they're fighting off, fighting off demons, they can get, we're right here, and we, they, they're doing it all around us. We're going to be blessed both ways. They're going to be driving demons away and the power of God coming. So you know what? We get a double blessing. Hallelujah. There'll be some demons I don't have to fool with because my neighboring pastors took care of them because I prayed and asked God to anoint them and bless them to do it. It wasn't about me. It's about the kingdom. It's about the name of Jesus. It's about the gospel. It's about the power of God to liberate and to heal and to bless. Every church ought to have miracles. Every church ought to have people being born again. Every church, I mean, every member one of another. We're members one of another. We rejoice together. We weep together. We worship together. We got to get some isms and systems out of the situation. Got to get it out of the equation. We want to see the power of God really work. We got to unify and come together. Let God be God in our lives and 
work the way he wants to. So there's some things, you know what, I just leave in the hands of God. That's God's business. Amen. If everybody shows up in heaven, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain one bit. I'm going to be happy and rejoice. Hallelujah. And I wouldn't advise you to complain because if you do, he may kick you out. <laughs> Uh, second chance, uh, I mean, second thoughts on this one. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, I got to hurry here. I know my times. And so uh, to come to Rabbi and talk to him and answer said, A man can receive, watch this. Man, this, this is a lesson here. This is a verse. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Listen to that. It comes from heaven. I know we work and we labor and we, out of obedience, we accomplish things. But always remember something. You can't put one foot in front of the other without him. You couldn't study and learn what you do unless God blessed you and gave you the gifting and the talent and ability to do that. The opportunity even. Man, it comes from God. It all comes from God. We got a part to do and we got to labor and we got to work. We got to apply ourselves. But you know what? The bottom line is God. Now watch this. I also believe that God can give us the, the will and the desire to do it. Amen. Because if he didn't put the desire in us, we wouldn't be at the house of God. If he didn't put the passion in us and hunger. And you've got to ask for things. If you've never really had it as strong as you'd like to have it, you know what? Ask for it. First you should know all of a sudden praying ain't near as hard as you thought it was. Come to the house of God. It's not it's a, a struggle. You'll start noticing. It's not the resistance that seemed to be at one time. You know why? Because God's given you the desires of your heart. But if you don't have a true desire for that, guess what else happens? Amen. Ten years ago, I didn't have no problem going to church. But now all of a sudden, man, I just don't. Uh, it's probably because of this or that. And, and you, you start finding. They may not even exist. But you'll start finding boogers. You'll start finding reasons. I'm not going to come. That bunch going to act like that. I, I'm not going. They're going to let that bunch of idiots. Hey, keep letting that preacher up. <laughs> Talk about me out here. Anyway, but see what I'm talking about? So watch this. <clears throat> you yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ. Did you know that's one of the most powerful witnessing tools that you and I've got? We lead them to Christ, but we're not Him. All I can do is lead you to Him, introduce you unto Him. And then it's up to Him and you what happens from that point. Because he, He's the Christ, not I. But that I am sent before him. He talking about Jesus that hath the bride is the bridegroom. He's the one that's got the bride. John uses a marriage ceremony here to help us. You know one thing that I, I, I despise at a wedding. And I think most of you agree with me. It's when somebody else tries to come in and takes the attention. Try to take it from the groom or from the bride. Oh, y'all sitting there on me like. 
I don't think anybody should try to wear something to present themselves that they'll draw, draw more attention than the bride. That's the same way in worship. I, I've, I've made a practice, and this is my personal practice. God, I don't want to be a thief in no measure whatsoever. My worshiping of you, God, and praying, God, if it's a distraction, if it causes some, amen, amen, I, I don't want to pray that way. I, I want to pray, I, I want to pray, I'm going to pray out loud. I, I believe you need to open your mouth, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you there. But I don't think you should get over there in a way and, and you know, that it causes a distraction. If you're not careful, that's bringing attention. Huh. And you just became a thief. When you do that. If we get up and worship. And, and, and in a service. And try. And, and, and there's no Holy Ghost in it. <laughs> and it's not flowing. And, and you know it don't have no Jerusalem ring in it. Because watch this. Every time we come here. It's a time of celebration. It's a time that the bride is gathering in. In the presence of the groom. It's a time that he comes and, and, and renews his promises and his presence and his calling and his choosing upon our lives. And not only that, reaching out and touching others is joined into this service and this time of celebration. <laughs> Praise God. And so we don't want to be, we don't want to use style of music and styles of worship. And we're not going to use styles of lights and. I mean, you know, these things, it becomes more, amen, of a distraction than something that God can take honor in and manifest himself through. Because we all know this. Without God, there's not a celebration. There's not a party without the main character called Jesus Christ. I mean, that's who we really come and dance with. That's who we come and shout about. We may join up with a brother and sister and join up, but we, that's just members of body glorifying the head together. But it's really all about the head. And that's when he, he said, the groom's got the bride. I just hear the voice. What voice are you hearing, John? He's, taking the, he's making the vows. He's willing to take her. He's willing to receive her. He's willing to make promises. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll protect you and I'll provide you for you. I'm hearing the voice of the groom. A man said, he'll let me take on his name. I was, I was, I was wretched, no good. I made a mess of my life, but now I've come back. Now I'm going to take on the most lovable name there is. The most powerful name there is. He's going to let me take on a name, amen, and bear the responsibility of a name. That's above every name. Hallelujah. Come on now. There's a lot more to it than what you think it is. Hallelujah. Proverbs told us a, a good name's better than rubies and diamonds and silver and the riches of this world. A good name. Hallelujah. We may not have have a lot of riches here and there but if we can hold on to the name if we come to the knowledge and the realization hey I've been bought I, I, I've been married to, I've been betrothed I guess you could say it put it that way and he's going to prepare a place for me and he's coming back to get me and he said he's coming back after a bride that's made herself ready that's kept herself unspotted from this world that kept herself amen from bowing down to idols and gods and false doctrines and false teachings hallelujah but presented herself there's a responsibility that you and I got we got it at the betrothed because we 
we spoke back to him, I'll do it, God. You speak to my heart, I'll do it. God, whatever you lay on my heart, I'll do it. Whatever you quicken me with in the Holy Ghost, I'll do it. Whatever you instruct me, hallelujah, by voice or by letter, by voice or by the written word of God, I'm going to commit myself. I'm going to mandate myself. I'm going to give myself to it. The wedding's not about the best man. The wedding's not about the bridesmaid. Shame on the bridesmaid when she comes and tries to. She wants all the attention. She puts on a show and wants to get loud and everybody. Well, I'm touching some stuff. This thing's not about us. It's about him. We're his bride. See. To come to celebrate and worship, magnify Him. Amen. 31st really just tops it all off. I know it's 11.50. You can stand. Uh, Lord, help us. Watch Him. He must increase. But I must. It's not a choice. It's not an option. If I'm going to win this race, if, if I'm going to please my Maker, I'm going to please my creator. I've got to decrease. It's, it's got to go. In fact, if you watch the pedigree of the Apostle Paul, he actually goes kind of the opposite, calling himself a minister and called of God and his chosen vessel. And then the last letters and some of the last things you hear about, he calls himself what? The chief of sinners. I was a chief of sinners, but if he saved me, he'll save anybody. If he delivered me, he'll deliver anybody. He's in it, folks. And folks, we, we had a lesson just a few weeks ago about the banquet. Are you ready for the banquet? Are you ready for that moment? Are you ready for that hour? This is the only dressing time we're going to get. Spicer talking about time. How easy that dump truck could have come on in and it could have been over with. It could have been a done deal. We see it time and time again. Someone will be snatched out today somewhere on these highways. Someone, a man, unexpectedly didn't get up and get in them automobiles with, with that on their minds probably. But, but it can happen. But there's a number of other ways it can take place. It's up to you and I to say, are we ready? How, have we, how are we keeping the right focus? Are we following through in the right fellowship? I know we're living in a world today that's, that's they're doing everything they can to break barriers down between denominational churches. But if they're not careful, that's nothing but going back, and I'm going to say it, back to the old mother, the old Catholic church and the Trinitarian doctrine and the way the methods they baptize and they're going to do one or the other. They're either going to come into truth or they're going back. They, they're not going to be an in-between. I mean, they, they're going to, it's going to happen one way or the other. Hey, I want to get in truth. I want to stay in truth. Hallelujah. And I want to represent truth with the love of God. With the love of the, the master. I want to be kind and gentle and long-suffering. Yes, bold and, and full of courage. But do it out of a love of heart. Out of a heart of love. Amen. And a mind and a spirit and a tone and a conversation. Hallelujah. At all times. Amen. To them, there, there's a God that loves us. There's a God that's beckoning and pulling for us. Us. So he points and says, hey, Jesus, Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the one. 
He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. I know my time's up. And, and uh, hopefully something's been said here today that would be a blessing to you. The latter part of that, that, that whole chapter is that 36th verse. Which was our focus verse today of the mighty God in Christ. He, talking about Jesus, that believeth, amen, I'm sorry. He that believeth on the Son, which is Jesus, hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. It's a dangerous thing to keep walking under the, out from under that umbrella. It's a dangerous thing. I know we're living in a world today that they have broadened the way. They have moved cornerstones. They have removed commandments and doctrines. And but we're still going to have to give an account. And watch this. Our apostle has taught us, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When you really get down to it, it's going to be up to us as individual whether or not we're going to make it. Jesus said, no man can pluck me out. He's the only one that can place me there. I, I believe if you read it close enough, and I'm going to throw this out there, and I'm going to let you go. But, but in Revelation, you know, it talks about the names written. And it's almost like all names is already written ahead of time. But our unbelief and disobedience could cause him to erase them. I've read that a number of times, and I, that's what just keeps coming back. I know we all make a big deal having our names written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. But if you read that pretty close. Now, now again, watch this. We're serving an all-knowing God. He knows. He knows. I can tell us one thing. Our obedience, talked about it, it went on. Obey Him. We've got to obey Him, church. Let's love him. It's going to be worth it, folks. It's going to be worth it. In that one moment, when that trump sounds, and the dead in Christ rise, and we're caught up to be with them, I'm telling you, realization is going to set in. And we're going to forget about all of this. Paul put it in words. He said it's going to be as though it was nothing. My, my, my. Let's pray. God, we love you. We appreciate you today. We're so thankful for your visitation. We're thankful this morning for the written word of God. We're thankful for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And the presence of God. That's walked in this place with us today. God, you see every soul, every life. You see the struggles. You see the uprise and the downfalls. You see us where we're at. And, and you can help us. We ask God that your hand would reach down. Your words will find its place in the heart, the soul, and the mind of every vessel in this house today. Giving them strength and giving them ability, amen, to live this life, to overcome. You help us to purpose. Throughout this evening, God, we purpose in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. We walk back into this place tonight. The powers of your presence. The power to atone. The power to deliver. The power to heal. 
the power to lift every burden, God, upon every vessel in this house. Lord, we love you today and thankful for you and for your presence and for your touch. All the praise, all the glory, all the honor goes unto you. In that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Love you today. Appreciate your commitment, your, your dedication, your service unto the Lord. I know maybe as a pastor, I don't tell you often enough. But we thank you for your commitment and service unto this local assembly. Amen. Through tithes and offerings and your works and talents and ability. Let's go to heaven together. Let's make up in our minds and hearts and spirits. Let's go to heaven together. Love you this morning. God bless you. Amen. Praise singers at 4.30. She didn't tell me. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure. Praise singers will probably practice at 4.30, 5.30 prayer time. God bless you. Don't forget the, the week of Thanksgiving. We'll have a testimony Tuesday night. We'll move that Wednesday night service to Tuesday night. to be a testimony night. Okay? God bless you.